Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Knoxville Game Design Meetup Group Chat Podcast. Well, that's a mouthful. I got to figure out like what our short name is. Game Design Chat, I think is what the title of the podcast is on um, iTunes. But welcome, everybody, here. It is Sunday, May 8th. This month's game we're going to be discussing in a totally spoiler fashion is Axiom Verge. I practiced saying Axiom a lot this week because I asked several people involved in math and statistics, and I'm like, it said Axiom, not Axum, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I was like, I think this game is supposed to be Axiom Verge, not Axum Verge. I'll probably say Axum Verge at some point. Uh, next month's game, if you want to play along and be advanced for, uh, on the podcast, you can just uh, listen to it as it comes out or participate, is... Uh, Shovel Knight, which is available on like every platform. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's consoles and Steam. Um, I don't think there's an iOS, but there might be mobile. Maybe it was on 3DS, I saw, and it's on Vita. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just on 3DS and Vita. It's got some something there. Uh, a little bit about the group at the top. Uh, we have some news. If you want to come out and visit the group, not in the game design capacity but just come out and see what we're all about and play some of the games we've made next sunday so be the sunday coming up as you hear this sunday may 15th is open streets knoxville and from 1 to 6 p.m uh there will be some streets you can find this openstreetsknoxville.com an exact route and everything will be closed and everything going on it's a family event there'll be tons of uh food vendors and hula hoop games and like somebody's setting up like four square like the game Foursquare, you, you know, play with four squares and a ball, you bounce between it uh, in the street. It's just a good family time. And we're going to be down here at the Technology Cooperative, and it's going to be open, and we'll have set up some of our games uh, that we've made. We're all going to kind of pick some of our London Dare games, I think, and, and set those up, and you can just come and talk and hang and chat out uh, and, and meet some of the, the groups. So we'll be here for that. If you would like to come down and visit us in the game design capacity, we meet the second Sunday of the month down at the Technology Cooperative. Find out more information on KnoxvilleGameDesign.org. You can also find Knoxville Game Design on Meetup.com and on Facebook.com. Uh, we don't have an actual official Twitter. I've never bothered to make a Twitter. I don't think we need one. But if you go to KnoxvilleGameDesign.com, there's a newsletter you can sign up to get reminders of events and things going on. You can go to Meetup.com now, too, as well, if that's where you prefer to handle all your Meetup organization. Uh, your organization of organizations and find out information on us there and get reminders of upcoming events and things. We also post that there going forward. I think that's it. I think I front loaded the top with all the information. Um, just to get into it this week, I'll go around the room. I want to start with Levi. Um, we can talk not only about any interesting game you want to call out or game you may have played in the last month, but your Ludum Dare experience or the Ludum Dare in April. Yeah, uh, so I participated in the Ludum Dare like it's like three weeks ago. I think the judging ends tomorrow, so we'll be finding out how we did tomorrow. But I developed a game called Shape Quest. So originally I had the idea of creating a game using the Godot engine. And this is an engine very similar to the Unity engine, but it's open source and free and everything. A little bit more difficult to use, not as much hand-holding in there. But uh, so found out, couldn't figure out the collision detection in it, so I fell back to Game Maker and made a little like uh, 2D overworld game where you'd avoid the enemies and things like that. Very similar in Zelda-esque. So 
I uh, also wanted to mention I've been playing a little bit of the new Star Fox Zero game for Wii U. Okay, what's your take on it? Uh, it looks really great. The <laughs> gameplay looks great. Controls are a mess. So uh, I had my Wii U Pro gamepad ready to go with it. It's like, oh, press A to start. Press it doesn't work you have to use the Wii oh, no. controller with the screen and it's got the motion control so you got to look at the screen and aim with that and look at your tv at the same time complete mess so i'll eventually play all the way through that one i also wanted to mention i went to orlando i think it's about a week ago and went to found some really nice arcades down there uh one was called player one and it's like you pay seven bucks to get in all sorts of arcade classic arcade games on free play and pinball nice. machines oh, uh, nice. like i played some nba jam and ivan iron man super off-road and there's like a pinball game that i remember playing as a kid i think is revenge for mars so they're all on free play play all you want also went to disney springs and they have a place called disney quest where you can get in for 40 bucks like five stories of arcades i mean classic games some older games and like 10 15 this is all down in orlando yes in orlando it's like right outside the magic kingdom and all that they have a separate area called disney springs which uh you don't have to pay anything for that but to get into the arcade building i think it's like 40 bucks so had a good time down there. that's really cool how are you doing um your month I also participated in Let Them Dare. I built a game, a match three game called Shifty Shapes, which was um, basically a literal interpretation of Shapeshift. I kind of based it on a board game that I think I tried at uh, Geek Media Expo and the Analog Gaming last year, where essentially it's a grid. and you When you move something along the grid, it slides until it stops. So um, because I've done a match three game before and I had uh, a lot of, already had kind of the logic work out for clearing things and things like that. Um, it was really a lot about polish. It's, it's one that when I get a little more time, I actually am thinking of putting on mobile just because it seems like such a good fit. Um, other than that, I've played, uh, I've been playing Valda's story, which I think is interesting because that's also a Metroidvania. So a lot of my thoughts about, Axiom Verge kind of come uh, colored by. Well, it's kind of like okay, what is the modern conception of a Metroidvania? Um, and I've also been playing the Overwatch beta, which I've really gotten into, um, mainly because it seems to be. I, I don't remember how different it is from like TF2, but I've really gotten into like the support characters and stuff like that. So. Does it hit the Blizzard thing of Hearthstone is a card game for people who don't want to get into card games, and Heroes of the Storm is a MOBA for people who don't want to get into MOBAs? Is Overwatch a team shooter for people who don't want to get into team shooters? I think it could be. Um, it has a lot of MOBA sensibilities. And, and the thing about Hearthstone, though, is I don't want to get into another CCG. I played it for a while, still don't want to get into another CCG. It was CCG. too close to the real like thing. Yeah, and... and I think if I had a group of people that played it, Overwatch, I might get into it. But I think what, you know, I'm not, I'm probably not going to play it, you know, if it's just me, you know, doing random games. What I really like is the MOBA sensibilities because you can jump in with, you know, there's like a healer character. Actually, there are a couple of healer characters where you can give like damage buffs and things like this. So you can literally play a first person shooter 
and never actually shoot. Now, I know TF2 did it, but this has some... Because it has that MOBA sensibility and you have abilities that let you um, do more than just heal. It, it, Are these like MOBA style in that these abilities level up in gameplay? Like you start out and then you have don't, to... But there's usually like... Uh, there's usually like uh, left bumper and right bumper is on a cooldown timer. Sometimes there are additional alternate fire. Usually there is an ultimate ability. Like for the healer, you can heal, you can damage buff a target. You can also like dash towards a target. Um, so it's a lot of stuff. Well, you start out with all of those abilities. You start out with all okay. of them. And then when the ultimate ticks up, like it'll be... Um, you know, a resurrection or for some of the damage dealers, it'll be okay. you, uh, your shots automatically hit like they trace. So it's not in the sense like we have to get to a certain level to get this. But before we go in, we have to say on chat, alts up, right? You still have to like, is yeah. everybody's alt up? You yeah, know? There's actually, I think there's actually an emote that says my ultimate ability is this oh, much nice. percentage. But it's it's... It's these off-the-wall abilities. You're not just playing a tank. You're not just playing a healer. Mm-hmm. You're not just playing a DPS. You're playing a particular um, sort of character that fills that role, but you have to figure out both the role. But and right the before the group as a whole takes a checkpoint, it's like make sure you've got your unique ready to go. I have not played one that has been that well coordinated. But okay. when, when it works so it out, it's like works any out well. other shooter. Um, yes. I, speaking of betas, I played um, Neo, which is N-I-O-H, which is the um, Tecmo Team Koei uh, next game. And the only reason I was interested in that, because I've, you know, I've long stopped caring for their games. Um, the only reason I was interested in it, it was like, they're doing a Souls, like this is pretty much a Souls game. If I'm it like, has Souls on it, you want to play it. I, and I, I feel was like, like well, I'm curious... Because uh, I talked about this a lot when we talked about Dark Mouse, that Souls is a genre, and I want to see where it goes when it leaves um, from software. It's like, okay, so from software kicked off the genre. Great. Now, another bunch of people are coming in. There's a whole bunch of indies, but this sort of marks like, okay, AAAs are taking notice because these games have sales and they have a fandom and they have a market and a mind share. So you're going to get AAA uh, clones. And right now, FromSoft has been cranking these out at an amazing pace. When I stop and think about, like, 2009 was like Demon's Souls, 2010, you know, U.S. And now we're just 2016, and they've launched five of these. You've got Demon's Souls, Dark 1, 2, and 3, and Bloodborne. That's a hellacious pace for any game studio. So they're able to outpace competition right now because most game studios aren't going to crank out a game in a year um, as much as they want to. They have to do multiple teams and things like that. Uh, to get that going. So, but now is about the time where Dark 1 and 2 were sort of taking off that people are going like, hi, this is a big deal. And, you know, budgets for Bloodborne and Dark 3 got bigger, but also other studios got in there, and Team Koei is one of them. And like Dark Mouse, I'm worried that the next few years are going to be this dark age of Dark Souls games where... All they looked at it and went, oh, people want really hard games. And we can just be brutally mean and difficult. That's what they want now. Because that's what Neo took from Dark Souls. You start out and there's a old or beaten up or whatever warrior guy that you come up to. Now, it's very um, 
oriental, you, you have a katana blade and that's it. And you're doing more of sort of the moves that, you know, um, you're not a samurai, but you're doing more samurai style moves. And the dude looks straight up like he's from The Witcher. He looks like The Witcher. Geralt or whatever his name is. Um, I mean, so basically they're taking a little bit from Yeah, everything. this is British dude, white hair, ponytail, and it's just like, what do you guys do? Uh, I understand that maybe the game was planned before The Witcher was a thing, so maybe they're, maybe just like group think the industry of like, hey, take a British man and put him in like this setting or something, I don't know. You come up to this first guy, he will kill you in one hit. Oh, by the way, he takes like 20, 25 hits. You know, like you're constantly like, maybe it's not 20, 25 hits, so it's at least 10 to take down. That's the first like trash mob. And then you go into like the next one and there's two of them and forget it, it's game over. If you get two mobs on you at once, it's game over. Because basically one hit, you could be dead at this. Oh, if you run out of stamina, your guy puts his hands on his knees and bends over and just stands there breathing. So you're dead. If you run out of stamina, you're dead. You don't mind as well be her health bar because if you stand that still in one place, you're dead. I gave it a couple hours and, you know, got into a little village area. And the thing it did where I was just like, all right, done, uninstalled, was as I entered the village, I'm like, all right, I get it. It's Dark Souls. So I am inching forward, noting my surroundings, looking for what to trap, where they at, what to trap, where they at. Nothing's happening. And I walk into the town. And then in like some kind of weird Western saloon style thing, once I trigger the script, right, three guys bust out of doors all at once. And it's like, I can't handle two. And three is like, you know, it's immediately I'm dead. And I felt like you're not getting it because if you had truly copied the Souls game, I'm doing my part. I'm inching forward. I'm being cautious. I'm observing the scenery. Something was supposed to tell me what's going to happen if I get to this point without paying attention. And that clue, that hint was not there. Um, So I could only learn by failing and then coming back and trying a second time. And I don't anticipate this game to take off at all unless they do a major, unless this this beta test thing was sort of a like, let's throw it. Oh, wow. Okay. People hate this. We have to go back and tone down the combat. Was that... They do normally do Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, type. and Ninja Gaiden, Gaiden was one of those brutally hard games back when, you know, brutally hard had a different template. And the, the template industry. then was character action, um, yeah. which is my stand-in for fighting game mechanics. Yeah. Bayonetta, basically. Bayonetta, yeah. uh, fighting game mechanics in a action RPG type game. But it's going to be combo button mashing. This is not combo button mashing. This is stances and Dark Souls t- style sword play. Um, so where one guy is this immense fight for a few minutes. I remember the first boss in Ninja Gaiden for the Xbox, and it forced you not to just hack and slash. You actually had to use block and block at the right time. Yeah. Where I was accustomed to just going through and hack and slash, maybe dodge a little bit. but they I forced- played a little of that one. I got not much further past that boss, and then the enemies were like, no, you better be blocking. You better you didn't get that combo down. It's like, so in combo games, like, oh, I'm not good at that combo. Like Dark Souls, I'm not good at the combo for doing a kick. I don't kick. I just don't do it. It's just like, that's not yeah. my repertoire of moves. And the Tech McCoy games, especially, it's like, no, 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 you better know that combo we just taught you because there's going to be an enemy that that's how you get past. And I, I gave up on it. Um, I mean, I, I gave up on Bayonetta, unfortunately. I, I got to a point in Bayonetta where I just got stuck and brought in a friend in. 
uh, do it. So, but basically, it sounds like not every Dark Souls clone is going to be. Well, the your thing, thing is, is that <laughs> you're mixing. You have a volatile combination because the Dark Souls fan doesn't want the button mashing. Okay. I just mean like between this and Dark Mouse. Like. But the button mashing, not really button mashing, but combo entering precise thing is not going to appreciate spending five minutes on a single mob. That's not the way it does. You, you yeah. kick and juggle and build a combo meter and keep your combo meter going and it's constant, you know, uh, thing. And so it's like, you guys are going to appeal to a very, very slice of two niches overlap. Like, that... Good luck. Um, so I, I anticipate my call right now is we're going to in the next year or two see a bunch of heavily Souls-inspired mechanics coming to games and then a big back off when those don't sell and they suffer for it. While the Souls games continue to sell like crazy and it's like, yeah, you didn't get it, okay? Speaking of Let Them Dare, I made a little uh, game. <clears throat> Mine was Shape Flip instead of Shape Shift, but I'll count it. Um, made a puzzle game. Love puzzle games. Love the witness. Hate making puzzle games. Hated myself for doing it. Hating myself while I was doing it. But I didn't have a better idea. So I, I made 10 levels. It was fairly interesting. I think it was okay. But I have no desire to pick it up and run with it. Even though getting comments of like, you should totally like make this up and you know release it. It'd be a great little mobile game. I'm like, man, for a mobile game? That means I need to like give you like 30, 40 levels for free and then sell yeah. like a hundred level pack <laughs> or something. I don't have the patience for that. And it's because making the puzzle game is not solving a puzzle like it is when you play a puzzle game. It's making sure there's no other solution but the one you intend. It's the 99%. So all you're doing is failing at it in every possible way. And that is not itching. That is not scratching the itch I have that leads me to play puzzle games so um that wraps up uh, what i've been doing i think we get into it actually on verge uh we're gonna go dylan then me then levi because that is the order of completion uh dylan you bounced off in a couple of hours i i wouldn't necessarily say i bounced off like i was playing other things mm. i was doing other things i committed about two Maybe two and a half hours. I got in about eight, and then Levi finished it at 12. Yeah, a little so, bit over 12. Uh, we'll go in that. That way, Levi can correct. It's like, well, actually, you got this thing later. Yeah. So. Yeah, actually, um, I wouldn't necessarily say I bounced off of it. It's just like playing with that sort of time limit. Yeah, it it, it didn't appeal to me. I, it, um, I, I don't want to say it didn't appeal to me. I guess it... My gut reaction to it was like, wow, I have to keep pressing forward, keep pressing forward. I can't do the exploration that I expect in a Metroid game. Um, I almost started feeling like it was, you know, it's a spiritual successor to Metroid, but I wonder if it and a lot of other Metroidvania games draw more on Metroid, not, uh, not what Metroid is, but what you remember Metroid to be. Or what maybe games have made it become right. in the iteration points. Because the thing I noticed, um, one thing I noticed in Metroid was you can actually um, roam around a bit and explore and kind of hit different things at different times um, before you start picking up items. And that may or, I, I'm not sure if that's a good or bad pacing thing, That's but that's what I remember. Like I, I remember roaming around those areas. 
this almost had like a Chekhov's gun sort of effect. Like Chekhov's gun is if there's a gun on stage in the first act, you're going to see it in the third act. Um, early on, you, you walk into a room and you go like, oh, that's obviously a thing I'm going to be getting an item for later. And, um, you know, you, you see a lot of that early on. And so there's, you know, very busy uh, in terms of when you start getting items. Because I remember once I got the glitch gun and the drill, it was like, do I need to try both of these in different places? I had the same problem, like switching between those. Like, okay, I'm not exactly sure which one I use here. So I was constantly going through both of those tools, figuring yeah. out which one I need. Yeah, to there was use. a lot of throwing it at the wall and seeing what stuck. Like, oh, just to shoot everything on there. Okay, nothing worked. All right, I guess I don't yeah. get by here. I almost feel like if there were cases where... Because I remember getting through some walls with the glitch gun but it wasn't necessarily 100% clear why you use one over the other. Um, I think the thing that really killed me on this, and again, this was because I was playing with a time limit, was you know I started getting a feel for that first sort of hub you're in, that first sort of area, and like, okay, I'm going to be getting some items and, and backtracking to explore, so I'd push a little further. Okay, I'm supposed to backtrack and explore at some point, right? Because there were all these areas that I obviously couldn't get to. Um, and eventually I got so far away from that original area, it's just like, okay, this is becoming linear for me. Um, <clears throat> I thought this was... I kind of wondered about that. Like, I wish there was some sort of hub travel, fast travel. I wish there was some sort of a little more detailed mapping about uh, some of these things, um, which incidentally was something I ran into with Valve's story as well. And I wonder if that's sort of an aspect of the modern Metroidvania game. Metroid and Castlevania 2 and Zelda 2 didn't have a ton of mapping features. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Like Metroid and yeah. Castlevania 2, they didn't have a map. Yes. So as a designer... You had to constrain your level design to something you could expect someone to commit to memory. Right. And maybe the problem here is that with a map, you lean on a crutch of like, yes. well, they got a map, so I can just get wild and sprawling and big and not worry about making a nice, tight, memorable yeah. zone. Or uh, even, like I said, even if you could travel backwards, it would have been a lot easier in some cases because I felt like, it's okay. I got this new item where I could maybe explore a little bit more, but it's just such a hassle to get back there. And what I wonder is if we're taking things that are um, available to us because of modern technology, you know, things like Skyrim and Fallout have tons of mapping, very detailed maps, tons of fast travel features. Um, Metroid didn't, and those games didn't because of the era just leaving them out like do we need a modern concept of metroidvania that includes more of those features like castlevania symphony night did have like warp points and this game yeah. has something similar it isn't actually okay. warp but it's called uh indie or something it's like one long corridor yeah you're talking you, about the the robot head yeah that, the head and it, yeah and so it's kind of oh. like a fast travel but there's still some areas that doesn't go to so i didn't get to it yet because yeah. i that um, but that's really just links that thing just links the big areas together yeah you still have to traverse the the big areas within themselves. Yeah. I desperately wanted in this game 
fast travel between the save checkpoints I've been at because it's yeah. like, okay, I think I can go to a place now I pass, but man, that's like five checkpoints back. Like, yeah. that's a ridiculous amount to backtrack. And I think Valda's story did something similar where you have these points that you can travel between. They're not common, so you have to really pick your route. And unfortunately, like, you don't get a lot of detail on the map, which is fair. It's a map. You don't want to put a lot of effort into that right. sort of tooling. Um, you really have to remember and think about... Uh, but see, in a game like Shadow Complex... I don't remember this being a frustration, even though there was no warp points in Shadow Complex. Like, <clears throat> the way the map was designed, <clears throat> I went through the level progressing, and then the level had, was designed in such a way it brought me back to the start at the point when now I need to yeah. go to the thing I passed earlier. So I'm naturally just looping back around. And there might have been some hidden items or special things in Shadow Complex that if you if you actually backtracked, would have gotten. Yeah. yeah, this goes all the way back to like the original Legend of Zelda. I mean, you had the old man take any road you want and that yeah. sort of zipped you to one other point in the map. You really didn't know exactly where you were going, but it's a way to get to the other map very quickly. Yeah. And again, that's a limitation of game pl or uh, the, the platform it was on, I think. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like with modern Metroidvania games, it's like, Metroid feels like a big expansive world because it doesn't have these features. But at what point does the world is the world big enough on its own that yeah, throw some in earlier. Um but but yeah, that that was generally my issue with it was I had to kind of suspend that completionist explorer mindset and go if I really want to experience this game, I just have to play this linear. Um I had a couple comments on the level design. There were some really good things. Uh, it, I felt like it had a good way of communicating what I needed to do at any given time uh, and whether I was on the right track. <clears throat> so long as you trust the design. And, you know, uh, like there was a case where I, uh, I took a jump and then later realized I could not get back over that jump back to the rest of the map. Um, you know, and I kind of looped around within that offshoot. I know sometimes they did that to force you to use a new item that you picked yes. up. So it's like, okay, yes. you're trapped in here until you figure out how to get out well, using that new item. Well, until you find the item. Yeah. yeah. So, like, this has happened to me a couple of times where I went past a part where I can't get back. And it's like, well, crap. I There was multiple paths here. And yeah. I was sort of, like, exploring down each one to learn what my options are. And now I'm trapped over here, and now I'm just thinking, what if there's a health power-up? Like, this was just a small yeah. room with a health power-up. I could have had extra health, but now I'm trapped in this world. I had, by the time I'd really started noticing this, I'd kind of kicked into linear mode, like, just keep going whichever way. But it helped, because I went, okay, I must have missed something. Yeah, it's I like you got to get the high jump boots before you yeah. can jump out, or you got to get get the grappling hook for it so you can grapple out yeah. of there. And actually, I went back with the high jump and jumped... And like, oh, I can't reach this. I probably need something else. Yeah, and that, that's as far way. as I got. Um, the Like I said, the bad thing, I think, with level design, I got so far that I felt like it was pointless going back. Um, you know, so it just became linear. So that was just kind of my gut reaction. Let it, me ask you this. Um, you're wrapping up, right? 
Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this. Did your two and a half, whatever, three hours feel like a lot more to you? It kind of did. Like, it's one of those things that I lost patience with. I could see me going back to this game. And if I played it in, you know, like short one hour segments and just going like no time limit, no, you know, right. we're just going to experience it. I would probably have a little bit better reaction to it, I think. I, I experienced that a lot with this game where it felt like I had been playing it for four hours and then, yeah. like, I got to stop. It's been going on a long time. I hit stop. You played an hour. You yeah. know, like, the, the game itself was lim- lending itself to feeling uh, like I grinded so um, were either of you a fan of the original Metroid or Super oh, Metroid? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I play original I, Metroid like once a year. That's one of my okay. go-to games that I pop in and then beat in like 30 minutes or an hour. Okay. I didn't play a ton of Metroid. I remember renting it a couple of times. I think I got it for GBA. So that's just a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I did play Castlevania 2. I did play like Zelda 2. So I... I even like Castlevania too. I'm like one yeah. of the weird people who are like, that's eh, yeah. a good game. Simon's Quest, I really didn't feel that was like yeah. a true Metroidvania type game. But- I have a problem with the term Metroidvania yeah. in that I don't see what Castlevania's contribution was I think was it didn't it. come until Symphony of the Night, which right. was yeah. on PlayStation. Right. And at that point, I'm like, you're just Metroid. You're not, yeah. you don't get to put your name on this thing. It's been yeah. around a really long time. A lot of other games have done it. I so. think it's because of Symphony and Night, yeah. which kind of redefined yeah. the whole genre. It kind of jumpstarted because Metroid yeah. at that point had sort of tapered off and was like, oh, it's an old Super Nintendo NES game, you know, and Metroid I, Prime was what they were doing now, which is sort of a different thing. To get back to your point, though, I do think a certain type of person would be like, okay, wouldn't necessarily feel like they had been playing so long. Like it wouldn't have been that much of a, I don't want to say frustration or drain because it wasn't a bad experience. It was just like, I've accomplished a lot. You know, I can't go back. I'm, let's stop here. And I don't know if it changed my experience because I can't play a game in a non-analysis mode anymore. Like I'm always yeah. like examining why is this here? Was this there? Like I'm just too far down that path. So I don't know that my experience would be better because uh, Crashlands, like yeah. I didn't, playing it in little bits didn't change it. Like I was still looking at these things and these systems and considering, like I couldn't just like log into Crashlands for a few minutes and play it and enjoy it and then set it back down. It's like, no, no, this is a, you know, start writing notes down and making things. And that's just where I'm at now. That's just me. That's not the game. Um, so, okay. I tried to organize my notes by topic. So my first topic here was, uh, I wrote a lot of notes. They're not that big in detail, though. Um, the heck was that? That was me. Okay. Um, overall, I like the idea of NES, NES uh, glitches and glitch art as not only aesthetic, but mechanic in the game. Like, they are using, not explicitly, but indirectly, they are doing a callback to NES and like the glitches that would happen when the cartridge isn't in there, in effect, and bringing that in the game that's calling back to NES games. And first, it's like, oh, that's a cool effect, you know, and they all they have like some broken scan lines or something happening over here, or like tile sets not loaded properly. You get the glitch gun, and you start realizing, like, oh, wait, no, I'm supposed to interact with this. This is part of the actual world. This is a clue that something is here. Yeah, I thought that was great. I thought it's clever. That's something I think I've always looked at Axiom Verge. Um, and, and thought like that's, that's good job because, 
um, you kicked this up a notch. You looked at this and, and brought this together in an interesting way. Um, I do think, you know, it's very heavily Metroid, but it got very non-Metroid for me the moment we had humanoid enemies. The moment there was a humanoid, like, you don't shoot humans in Metroid. You know, you don't shoot humans really in Castlevania. You know, something that is like, this was supposed to have been a person that is now insane or something is the vibe I got from it um, with the prisons and stuff like that. Scattered to the level. And that's when it's like, good job. Because now you have like started out and like, oh, we're Metroidvania. And now you've kicked my brain over into like your own world now. I'm like, okay, you're creating your own space in your own world because this is not what I would expect if somebody was just cloning Metroid. Now you know, talk- talking about the regular enemies there's kind of like humanoid enemies but then the bosses were actually humans before they were like transformed by this pathogen. yeah i don't you don't recognize that early in the game they yeah. just look like okay weird metroid boss thing yeah. i'm talking about like yeah the regular, the regular enemies, guys they're yeah. actually really annoying because they they just jump at you and do an insane amount of damage and, yeah yeah but it's they were annoying but it's like they were human or at least they made me think of another person um, and I was like, that's good for your lore. Like you're breaking the Metroid thing a bit here. And they're doing things that Nintendo wouldn't do. Like I remember before you fight the first boss, there's like this big pile of skeletons. It definitely wasn't like PG or anything. Yeah, yeah. And it, then one other place you could just like see two dead people like sitting at a table. I yes. Mean, yeah. That was, that was one of the moments too of like, this was something before I was here. Whereas Metroid is just caves and caverns, you know, and Symphony of the Night and things like that. It's, it's just, um, you know, Dracula's castle. Yeah, this with, is like no. There was life happening. It was normal, and something went wrong. With all the uh, giant faces and and you know some of the lore that I got into, I did figure it was going to go that direction where like this is going to be more complicated than what you see in a normal Metroid or Castlevania game. Um, the other thing, this is an overall thing, and it's not necessarily a great one, but um, I think the game definitely has hard difficulty spikes. I think there's points in the game that you get to or have to get through something or to get to something and like the enemies or something all of a sudden just are ridiculously hard compared to what you were just dealing with. Uh, and I think it suffers that in a lot of spaces um, and really hurts to the, to the detriment of the pacing. This isn't the good kind of like marry it up, mix it up. This is just like, why is this a wall now all of a sudden? Um I'll have some examples later, but that was just overall <clears throat> level design. We've moved a group on. See, I told you they weren't much. Um, I like that you moved to the left at the start. I, at the very beginning, like you're going to have to go left before you can progress right. It's a very callback to Metroid. Um, in Metroid's day, that was key because it had to show that you were not, because you looked like you were in a platformer and all platformers moved to the right. And so the context of the gamer was, we're going to move to the right. Well, Metroid, you move to the right, you hit a wall, you have to go to the left, go further left in the start, get the crouch ball so you can crouch and go under. And it's sort of, you know, setting up a lot about the game of like getting power-ups a lot, but it's mainly that you can go right, left or right, you can go anywhere. This is a static environment, it's not a level. We're not playing Mario Brothers now, we're playing Metroid. Um, so I kind of like that nod out. and Yeah, I remember like in the original Metroid, you pick up the ball power up. I think it's called the Mario Mari ball. And I find out that's just, just Japanese for round ball. <laughs> <laughs> Not a deep meaning yeah. behind that name. It's like a mystical name. There. Um, so like you mentioned, the game is really good at non-explicit tutorials. Um, you 
are set up in an environment where the thing you do is the new thing and that's the only way you're getting past it. And we've given you the tools or the setups that you can kind of understand. I felt it did that really good at the start and it did that really good through most of the game. Um, there are parts of the game where I actually don't know what to do here. I, I'm, I don't know. Should I, am I supposed to be going back now? Am I supposed to be looking for something else? Did I miss something or do I have it in my inventory and I just don't know how to use it? So it wasn't perfect in that response, uh, respect, but there were there. Um, do you feel like that was the result of too many choices or just unclear choices? I think these are some unclear choices. Uh, and as a result, one of the notes I got down there, um, m- most of the game feels large without reason. There's no okay. reason it had to be this big. That you had to have this many hallways that I just go through with nothing but just get from the end of the hallway to the other so I get to the next door, so I get to the next door, so I get to the thing. Yeah. And I think it was kind of a result of that because it compounds with the desire, I don't want to backtrack and see if I miss something. Um, so the zones, a good note is the zones were well marked. So there are explicit areas sort of like in Metroid you had like this is Crag's Lair and things like that. They changed the music, they changed the color, they changed the enemy type. Like, they did a good job of, like, this is a different zone. Um, An hour and a half in, I timed this note. I said, I'm an hour and a half in, and it feels like a lot of backtracking is required. I know I wrote that as a time note because, like, maybe later I'll think, oh, uh, I was such a young man then, you know, and now I've learned the ways of the world. Instead, it actually compounded worse. Like, like no, this yeah. only got worse. That's exactly what I felt like. I, I pushed ahead a little bit and then, get, then picked up an item and then realized, you know, I need to keep pushing ahead or, you know, I made, I'd gone too far. I made a similar note. I was backtracking in the first 10 minutes. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I've... Now, and this is something I've, I've highlighted this example from the Souls, and, you know, you guys take a drink if you're playing the Mike said Souls game. <laughs> oh, no. But, like, in, it Dark, is the perfect in game. Dark Souls 1, there's a little area where you get up on top of a building, and you can jump down, and then you get some extra loot, and you fight around, and you make this circuit where then you climb back up a ladder, and then it ultimately brings you right back to the top of the roof. Now, you technically backtracked. You didn't explore anywhere new. But because you didn't turn around, the game allowed you to keep walking forward while in a circle, but brought you back to where you were. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a backtracking. I remember Super Metroid was really good at that. You'd come around and then you'd jump and back like, where oh, you were. Like, oh, I'm here. I know where, I know I know where, where I'm this at. is. I've played yeah. games. <laughs> I, I don't know that Doom or any of those sorts of games, but I have played like 3D games that do that. And it is kind of a comforting feeling of like, okay, you know, like this is. Because you're like, I'm lost. When I get to a save point where, you know, like, and, all, and then you get to the moment where you're back at the, the area you recognize, and you're like, I did it. I did yes. the whole loop. I've explored it all. I can go save. and do that. I wasn't really as far away as I thought I was. I can now explore this comfortably. Backtracking in the game got annoying to the point where, and I know the game tracks your death count because it's all your final playthrough with the death count. Mine's going to be hilarious because I decided that since you died and you went back to the checkpoint, that to save me from backtracking and then having to come back to where I was to progress, I didn't use any of the save points. And I would go and I'd look at the map and I'm like, I don't think I, it, there might be something here because there's not a line on the map to indicate a dead end or there's a door it didn't look like I went through. And I would go up to that point, figure out either I did go through it or I can't, it was blocked or something like that, then kill myself so that I would go back to the checkpoint and not have to backtrack the backtrack to where I was. That is a good case for 
that's really what I wish there had been is travel between save points. I do think that is a case where they gave that up for the ability to have some of those loops where you're like, okay, I can't get back without this item. Right. Yeah, I remember the first time I died, I was like, okay, is there any penalty for dying? Oh, no, there's no penalty. Well, sometimes right. it's easier just to die than have to backtrack all the way back. Yeah. Does uh, a kill count matter? Is that it's like You might get a bad. better ending, yeah. maybe. Okay. I don't know. If it's, if it's truly aping that from Metroid, then there are different endings for how fast okay. and how well you did it, the game. Um, in the Metroid, they don't matter. They're not story-based. But time. this seems like it... Watching you or the ending that Levi got, it seemed to leave a lot unexplained and almost basically say, I have to play this game again. Like there's a line where the guy something like, I, I can't stop obsessing with the problem even though it's over and I must have missed something. Like that's like what he says. He's just like, and then I hit start and play it again. Like is his next dialogue. Like, it can't be more explicit. Yeah, it's like all 12 hours of my gameplay are on my YouTube channel if anybody wants to check that out. But yeah, I remember I got to the end. I was like, okay, there's obviously something left here. And they want me to play through this again. I was like, uh, maybe later. Maybe later, yeah. Um, so there's notes in the game. Uh, on one of the menus, you can leave a note. And this is terribly in- implemented. So you can only leave a note of the square on the map that you're in, and you okay. can only have a maximum of two notes. I didn't so even know you could leave notes. There are a ridiculous amount of notes I would want to leave. It also breaks down in, there are some tools I got in the game that I didn't even know some things that were dead ends weren't dead ends until I got the tool and realized, oh, I can walk through walls. I wonder how many places I've passed that I were meant to be able to get through and I was supposed to know that there was a thing yeah. over there that I just don't know. And there were like some things it's like I may or may not be able to ever get through this. Like is that a glitch a wall or like maybe I'll get... Because like the glitch gun at first wasn't breaking glitches. Um, and later I found glitches that broke with the glitch yeah, gun. Yeah, there's like two power-ups for the address disruptor which I think is yes. their name for the glitch gun. Um, so I didn't have those and it's like I, but I'm not going to spend one of my two notes. And I, so I ended up never using the notes. Also, I couldn't, like, I would spend a lot of time studying the maps later in the game trying to find where I didn't go. I was seriously stuck for a while. Um, and I had to go all the way back to the beginning. And there was a door that I couldn't have gone through earlier because it required you to be in air and dash through the wall while you were in air, I think. No, 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 never mind. I got that power up after I got it. Um, whatever it was, there was an area I couldn't have gotten to earlier. Um, from a power I picked up very late, maybe like the grappling hook or something. And I basically had to backtrack to the entire game before, because this is at the start. So I go back to the entire game before I realize there's a door. But I spent a lot of time staring at the map, and it had been very useful for me to like put push pins in the map while I'm looking at it, of like, okay, I don't think I explored that square. Then there were some squares that you would get there and the edges weren't solid because you couldn't make it to the edge of the screen. But I could tell by jumping, I was like, I don't think there's anything over here. And I would like to put a note over there of like, looks like it's open, don't think it is. But I would forget. And then I would go back there and I would find my way up to that point and then realize like, oh, this is, this is the top of a cliff. And the only way is down and it's just the square over here can't be really explored because I just have to make a running leap and let me do it and yeah, there's nothing over here. Um, the outside levels were a nice change uh, when you hit that point. I don't think you hit this point. No. But specifically, you hit a point where you're outside, uh, and it gets really vertical. It 
reminded me a lot of Rygar. If you ever played Rygar, just a little bit. Um, like the guy I had, with the shield, the Sakayeo. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got the jumping, and you got the boulders rolling at you. And I'm like, this feels like I'm playing Rygar now. Uh, not a popular NES game. It's one of the more um, niche ones, esoteric ones. Um, I found when I was trying to use the map that the seeing how the area is connected, because you could hit the D-pad and go to like next map, next map, next map. Figuring out how those lined up took a long time. Yes. I eventually yes. got it, but I would have appreciated if they would have put the other maps all on the same screen, and then I was just moving around a giant map and could see like a grayed-out background or something of the other map, so I could understand how all these were linking to good. There is the mini-map over on the side, but the problem with the mini-map is the mini-map is like showing like the entire zone that you may not have flushed out. So... Where in the minimap am I? Like, where do I place the chunk I've explored? How does that fit in? And it was just, it was too much. Because all you have is the little arrows pointing. It's like, oh, this goes to mm -hmm. another zone, but I'm not exactly sure which, which zone, zone does this it go goes to. to. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Hard to see the areas connect. Um, <clears throat> pits with the acid dudes. And pits with acid. And dudes jumping up and down out of them <laughs> that not only knock you off, but shoot you off the ledges for a room that is nothing but a door on one side and a door on the other. Why? That's my whole comment. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, and that's what I mean about difficulty spikes. I mean, that's a ridiculously painful room to get through <clears throat> for no reason. It's just connecting a longer hallway together. Um... Climbing levels uh, and these vertical levels, some of them needed like perfect precision jumps. Yeah, I had problems with that. <laughs> and I'm okay with that for a bonus item, but some of these were on like the main progression track. And I felt like, no, don't do that on the main progression track. I'm not sure if I made a note about it, but there's some items, like really hidden items, you got to jump, use your warp up, then turn then into your pet, droid. shoot yeah. your pet up, yes. turn back to you, then warp again. It's like, <laughs> they killed me. But I mean, it's for a special item that wasn't required. So, yeah, so I can that's, understand that's fine. that. That's fine if it's for a special item to get that and reward some kind of mastery of, of combining Is the systems. The but pet what lets you go through like the one block high corridors? Because yeah. I knew there was one of those. I kept seeing those everywhere and like, I know I'm going to see this. But I thought it was nice to not like directly turn into a ball like Metroid or yes. shrink down. Like, here's a little pet robot. Um, I just knew there had to be a way to do I that. I have a lot on the pet. I'll save it when I get there. <laughs> um, save, parts, uh, save points get further apart later in the game, or at least it felt that way. Like, I was having to go further and further to get to a checkpoint. Um, or maybe my yeah. frustration was getting higher and higher. The snowy zones, the enemies don't stand that well from the background, and I got hit a lot in those zones just because there was a creature there I didn't see. There were some that were really annoying, like the little crab things that j come down, and you can't see them because they're off screen, but once you jump over onto the ledge, it hits you and knocks you off. It reminded me of the original Ninja Gaiden for the NES. Yes. With the birds that with come and hit you. Oh, the birds and the bats. and the, You can't see them, but they come out and knock you into pit. Those are die. the things we don't need to bring back from the NES. Those <laughs> exactly. can die in the 8-bit era. We don't need those. Um, many areas felt large for that reason. I said that. Um... Overall, the level design, like the problems, I felt like if I was having a discussion with somebody who was a fan of the game, it, the answer would have been, shut up, it's like Metroid. And like, no, 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 you don't have a reason. Because it's like Metroid is not a reason for your game. You know what I mean? Like, Metroid did some good things, but you don't have to copy they it. they fit in Metroid yeah. for Metroid-specific reasons that you don't have those reasons in your game. Why do you have some of the same things then? 
Um, so, um, the area that I got particularly irritated was in the heat area. When, when it starts to get hot, um, later in the game. And this is right before you think you've ended the game cutscene, but then it takes you back to the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you're in like this wavy heat zone yeah. thing, thing. And uh, that's an area where I jumped through and realized I can't jump back because that's the area that you get the uh, dash while in air and you need the dash while in air because you can wall walk forward uh, on the ground in, but then you have to be on the air to get out. And I had skipped an up path with a little robot that you can stand on um, to try to get higher up and into the next area. And I'd skip that area, which it just turned out it did have like a health power up or something basic. I didn't miss much, but I was irritated because I was like just trying to like, okay, I'm in a new area. There's three paths I can go through. All right, let's try this one first and see what's behind door number one. And now I can't go back. And now I'm pissed because there's two other doors. And I'm like, am I, you know, did I miss something that would have not trapped me because I trust the game wouldn't have done that, but made it easier. Um, on to enemies. Um, <clears throat> those flower guys and some other of those enemies, like the little humanoid, do way too much damage in a single hit. Like, unfair levels of damage. There's these little, like, flowers that have, like, little balls beneath them, and they sort of float by, and if they touch you, they do, like, a point of damage for every tenth of a second they're touching you. Like, your life bar just starts going, boom, down, and then you're near death from... And my other complaint, when you kill enemies, sometimes they drop health, but the health that it gives back to you, it's like, it's not even noticeable. Um, There's a lot of fighting enemies that just grind without reward. There's no intrinsic reward for fighting these enemies. And a lot of points, it's just easier to run past the enemies than deal with the enemies. Um, And this makes the levels, this contributes more to anything, my feeling that the levels are big without reason. Because I ended up, even in new areas, not bothering to try to kill or fight any of the enemies. Just like, okay, I think I can jump past here because there's no point to fighting these guys. These guys will drop nothing but the health that they took from me for fighting them. There's no power-ups. There's not, I'm not collecting missiles. Like in um, uh, Metroid, you got missiles like, yeah. you know, from it. So you ran past a lot of the enemies, but sometimes you're just like, no, I just need missiles, so I'm just going to shoot these guys. I do go. remember playing the original Metroid. I would get low health and then go, okay, let's kill some enemies so that I can you know, get some back health up. back. Later on in the game, there are bombs that you can get from defending the enemy, but so far into the game. It's like, yeah, I wish they would have introduced this a little bit earlier so it would give some other purpose on of killing the enemies. Right. Um... Enemies don't respawn uh, on a room load. And I notice this can be exploited. Uh, and also you can kill enemies off camera. I don't know if this is intended or not. But like you go through a doorway and the enemies will not reset their health. But they'll reset their position. So there's like a couple like were just butts right at the beginning of the doorway. And I would just step through, shoot, shoot, shoot. They charge me, go through the door. By the way, this game does this stupid Metroid thing of like you can get hit while in the doorway. I never got trapped in a doorway like you can get in Metroid. Like some of those little flying things would fly with you through the doorway and the entire time while you're doing the scene transform, you're taking damage. It never got that bad. But I was annoyed of like, no, I'm stuck in the animation of going in the door and I'm taking damage. Um, Like I got to the door, let me out. Uh, I don't know if it was intended for it to be exploitable, but I totally did it in several spots. Um, In the beginning... I felt the enemy placement was excellent. I saw most of the enemies before I had to encounter them and deal with them and could from a distance observe their behavior. 
And in layer zones, I was getting multiple new enemies thrown at me at once with all kinds of crazy crap going on and no time to know what they were going to do and I'm dead. You know, and that really upset me. Um, there were enemies that come out of the ground and there is zero indication it's going to happen. And even when you know, okay, well, I walked through here and I got killed last time because the rocks are going to blow from me or one of those um, zombie guys are just going to leap out of the ground and kill me. I know he's right there. I can't shoot or do any weapon and prevent him from doing it and getting me other than like, I got to jump in there. And the, the zombie guys that jump out, they are leapy all over the place, so they're hard to hit. Yeah. And it's like, I just have to take damage. Um, it's like you have to duck and use, your, like, the third gun, the green one that does an area and effect attack. And the that's, small green or the big green? The big green. Okay. So that's, like, the best way. But then you're having to, like, switch to a different weapon just to kill this one guy, which yeah. is kind of good I, and kind of bad. I have to point out, as someone who doesn't know what you're talking about, how insane some of these descriptions <laughs> are. Like, which, which gun? The big green or the small green? I haven't gotten the weapons. I have There's to do the lot, jump but... and the warp and the dash and the yeah. pet and the warp and the dash and the jump. There's a lot of guns yeah. in this game. That's one thing they do. I read have. somewhere that the developer was said, oh, like, so I was glad I didn't get some selected in Dream Build play because I spent more time on the game. And playing this, I'm like, no, that wasn't a good thing. You should have, like, wrapped up a much tighter experience. I, I mean, do you get the feeling it's one of those things, like, this is my baby and I want it to be everything I want it to be instead of... No, figure out the parts you need to cut. Is that yeah? What you're yeah, this at? definitely needs parts cut. I think. Yeah, um, I could see that. Guns cut, weapons cut, that kind of thing. Uh, bosses. So I didn't like that. Boss enemies don't have a life bar or any way of knowing how much life is left. Well, they do change color a little bit. They start yeah. getting a little bit it's redder. It's so subtle and it's so near the end that I want to know. Like when I died, was I three quarters of the way through? Halfway through? Like, should I even keep going at this boss? Should I look around and explore? Like, I don't know. I think that's the same way Super Metroid did it. As you attacked the boss, it would become browner. Yeah, and it didn't kick in as soon as Super Metroid's kicked in, I think is my complaint. Um, I guess it's a difference in um, style, because I hate to keep going back to it, but, like, playing Valda's story, I had a huge you know, appreciation for life bars on enemies. Cause that tells you, okay, this is how far I got down. This strategy is working. It's the difference between this strategy is working. I just didn't implement it correctly. And this is the wrong strategy. I mean, one thing I boss. never tried because there's no feedback to know if it would work, but I didn't try different weapons on a boss to see if like, Oh, yes. wow. Yes. The, the big green gun, not the little green gun, is great on this boss. Kind of like something. Mega Man, where yes, some exactly. weapons are better. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, uh, so there's no way of doing that. I, I did like that the rooms are marked, though. You knew before you went into a boss fight. Yes. There was a very specific uh, little, like, Jesus cross <laughs> thought, thing going on. I thought on. it was a goat head skull. Goat head skull? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was. Okay, I was looking at it as a person, but now that you say that, I could see it as like, no, those were the eyes, so maybe. But you knew that. And it was like, there was a save room right there, and then there was a boss. So. And I think the room was actually red on the mini-map, and it had a red yeah. corridor yes. going into it. So. Yeah, and so I like that. I like at least, like, hey, you know what's behind this door. So if you need to save, now's the time. By the way, there's another door right here. Um, I like that. So two bosses in a row, um, I cheesed. And I don't know if this is intended or, or just poor design. And by cheese, I mean... There was a spot that I just sort of found, looked at the room and went, okay, what well, if I stand here and just shoot? He can't hit me. 
I, and I just stood there and shoot. Maybe I dumped a projectile every now and then, but for the most part, stood in place. And I did this on two consecutive bosses. And compared to the challenge the monsters were giving me, I feel like it was not intended to be that exploitable. I don't know. I felt like, and, and this is just from like the first two bosses, there, were, there was definitely a positioning strategy. And I think there were even, there were, there was even the case the with certain The second boss monsters. is the guy with the laser eyes, right? That roll through the scene. And there's the blocks hovering in the screen. Is that the second? I may be thinking of the third one. That, it was, he was like a big tank. He fired at you and he shot like little bullets up top. And there was one block you could stand on. And basically, instead of jumping around, you just stand there. Yes, stand you either crouch shot. or jump. And it was no problem. I felt like that was the case with certain enemies, like the big spider guys that would jump. There was usually like a pit you could get in or the little snake things that would jump between tubes. Like once you figure out the, it's all about figuring out the positioning. And once you figure out the position, that's like half the fight. There's enemies later that they, they, they <laughs> excrute like gnats or something. And it's like, they're in pits, so you can't really get an aim on them. And you know what I'm talking about? These are the ones that there's like the red gnats, and they blow up, and they like swarm on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. just start taking your life Those down. Those are like the original Metroids, how they clamp onto you. Then you just got to yeah. start shooting every which way you to get them off. You got to start shooting every way to get them off. Yeah. And uh, when you said the pits, that just came back. Um, the twist boss fights. This is very spoiler fight. Uh, spoiler, but I mean, we're going to spoil it on the thing. There's a fight in the game where when you go into it, you start seeing a guy that looks like you in the game going through doors. And then he goes into a boss fight room and then you go through the boss fight room and then like the dialogue gets weird because like your guy is saying whatever it is, like it's not Davos, but it might as well be Davos from Doctor Who. Um, you know, Davos says kill or you're a demon, kill. And it's like, but I'm, I'm telling that to the boss and no, you are the boss. And then there's a guy in the room, and then you're like, you're kind of thrown in. The guy's shooting you. You can shoot at him. But it's like a really awesome moment because I'm like, am I supposed to? I'm the monster. Because you're getting all of these mutations happening to you, I but, guess, feeling. I mean, you look, no, you look like one of an actual boss. Like you got like tentacle arms flying around. You're hovering on the top of the screen. You're raining bullets down. Just and, for this boss fight, or does this just happen later in the For this game? boss fight. This one. Oh. Um, and then what looks like should be the boss, like the tank thing that you saw, it's yeah. you. You're controlling that. You're shooting the projectiles. And then there's a guy that's controlled by AI that looks like your character shooting you. Okay. And you're like, if I kill him, am I killing me? Or, you know, like, you don't really know, and it goes in this, unfortunately, it goes in this cutscene that's, like, highly, like, is all a dream? And I was like, <laughs> you were so close, and blew it all in that moment. As soon as it started kicking into, like, this might all be a dream, I was sick in the lab, and it exploded, and that's right, I couldn't hear anything for months, and I was inside my head, and I'm like, oh. Well, I don't care about this anymore. If you're just going to pull it, it was all a dream. Like, you just lost me from, like, the peak. Like, when I really, like, oh, my, I'm going to finish this game now. That was wild. Like, what's going on? I just played the boss. That doesn't happen. It's like what they did in 80s sitcoms. Like, New Heart is like, New oh, Heart. the whole oh, series yeah. was an entire exactly. dream. <laughs> it's like where he wakes up and, like, it's like, um, what was the New Heart series where he woke up? It was New Heart. Was it New Heart? And he woke up in the Bob New Heart show. Yeah, because he's the very up last in his episode. Previous, yeah, yes. he, his 
he woke up. If if you haven't seen it, like Bob Newhart did a show. This is the one with Daryl, my brother Daryl, my other brother yeah, Daryl, and they ran a hotel lodge. Yeah. And then he wakes up in the bedroom of the previous sitcom he had done. Yeah, with Suzanne Plachette, who played the, the and wife. with his wife from the sitcom, and just like, oh man, I'm not having like Mexican again and weird dreams or something. And like, just like yeah. retconned his entire sitcom. It was hilarious. Like we're really dating ourselves oh, here. Oh yes, we are. <laughs> um, but that doesn't work in games. Don't do that in games. Um, I, so I love that. I thought that was genius. I That was really cool. Um, because they did it right to where I was panicked. Do I attack him or not? He's killing me. I'm the monster. But if I let him kill me, am I going to have to like come back and do this boss fight over again? Or should I be attacking him? I was him? the same way. It's like, what are what's the consequences of me actually killing myself? But then it got to the point. It's like, okay, there's no way to kill this other guy that looks like me. Okay. I don't, can I don't you know. actually kill him? I don't, I don't think know. you can. I was hurting him. Yeah. I was doing damage. I don't think it's possible to kill but him. But probably not, given the cutscene that follows. Um, so, uh, weapons and upgrades. The drill is a satisfying weapon. Like, I actually use that as a weapon for a lot of things, uh, rather than shooting or blasting anything. And there's some enemies you have to use that, like yeah. the little turtle guys. The little you turtle drill guys, I think, required it. Uh, or some, it just made it easier, too. Yeah. Uh, like the guys that descend down from the ceiling, it was just easier to use the drill on them. The blocks that can be drilled don't stand out in any significant way. Yeah. And that, that annoyed me, because that I felt had. like I'm just pixel hunting um, for magic pixels to mess with. Uh, a lot of guns, usefulness and utility of them seems low. Like, I did not switch unless there was a specific gun I knew would deal with this one mob. And the um, quick switch by clicking in the stick, I never figured out how to, like, actually program that so I could have the four I wanted to toggle. At one point, before I picked up another gun, I had it perfect. I could toggle between two guns on one and two on the other, and it was great. And then I picked up a fifth gun, and then it ruined the whole thing because now one of them kept toggling back to a gun the other one also had on its thing, and I couldn't get it to stop. And um, The lock-and-shoot mechanic made encounters a lot easier. It was not a good control scheme to pull off, and I don't understand why we just didn't twin-stick it, you know? Like, yeah, why can't I, can I use that. the other stick to aim the gun if that's a thing? Um, that you want me to do. One out of five health notes acquired. No. Don't do that. Stop. Oh, like the, the Zelda, like, nothing containers? Is, nothing is more deflating than, like, I, I gotta jump, launch the droid, hit this little, like, Womp rat sized gap, right? Run through this entire like zone where the droid has to fight enemies, and I get the little thing, and then it goes like one of six power nodes acquired. Get five more and your power upgrade. And I'm like, screw you. It felt like I just did that for nothing. That's what one sixth of a power node feels like to be nothing. I feel like when Link to the Past did this, one, it wasn't quite as brutally hard. And two, it didn't require that much effort to get it. In a game like this, it's definitely like... I think... Every time you hit something, it's... That's a Zelda trope that needs to stop. It was never a good idea. They tried it out. Even Zelda keeps doing it. And they've added more. Like, Zelda is like, you know, one of two pieces, one of three pieces. Now it's like one of seven in Twilight Princess or something or whatever ridiculous. And it's like, stop giving me pieces either Scale give me the upgrade or, yeah put something else here 
that I could get that might be a power-up or something, or don't have it, because it feels like I wasted my time messing around trying to get these ledge power-ups and things like that. And I bet you the one that you had to, like, jump, teleport, pump that, was it like a it's, fifth of a node yeah, it was probably thing? a one out of five there. I'm not sure. But I think they do that for, like, the completionist. It's like, okay, we got to fill the map up with yeah. collectibles. Well, we don't want to make people with more health than they need, so we break it up to add more stuff on the do world Do what to Mass collect. Effect did. Make them dog tags. You know, make them, like, a metal you're collecting. Or something like that, of like, you found one of the 20 dog tags. Because they don't do anything. They're just strictly a collectible. For so somebody who wants a completionist knows they're a collectible. And me, I'm not like, but I'm missing out on something. If I could gonna, have another power node if I did this. Yeah, if you're going to be Zelda, do the gold sculptula, not the, uh, not the <laughs> heart containers. Um, the droid. And now I'm realizing that Evernote does not do multiple levels of indentation on the iPad. Nice. Uh, if you want to know the pain of an HTML5 app, try to format text in Evernote. <laughs> um, so, the droid. Uh, the droid felt like a scapegoat. That's what it actually reminded me of, uh, playing a scapegoat a lot. Um, but not bad. Not a bad way, but I thought it was a cool, nice addition, not going into the ball. Uh, it was not into having to do combat as a droid. Like, areas only the droid could get to, and there's a ton of these monsters running around. And there was these little green guys that would attach to the droid and then just kill it. Just They would just, like, suck on it. And you had to, like, hurry up and get to the right spot where they would start jumping over you so you could just, like, kill them from above. But if you missed it, then too bad. You're dead. And that area, there, there were areas that were huge that the droid had to explore. Uh, there's a power-up so that the droid can go deeper into the huge areas. No, I'm not. I'm not digging that, man. It's like, oh, because it made the droid feel like I'm playing a restricted, less interesting version of the full game. Because now it's I like Metroidvania micro droid, and it's like, no, the droid to get through a bit and grab something I can't is cool. Playing 15, 20 minutes as a droid is starting to feel like I, I could make that jump if my guy was here. In fact, there's no reason my guy is not here in this room. He would totally fit. It's just the entrance is one block high. But the rest of it, he would totally fit, and that's annoying. Yeah, Come I don't know if you, if you got to it, but later on in the game, you do get a power-up. So if the droid goes through one of those corridors, you can warp to the position. Yeah, and I think what I did is I didn't get that power-up. Um, when I found out about it because I was watching your stream, um, I think what I did is I did some of the areas you were intended to do that, I just did it all as the droid. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so um, maybe they should have made an area where the droid could not have passed, yeah. but the guy could have to let me know, like, hey, don't waste your time trying to get through all these enemies. They're not designed to be killed by the droid. But, you know, that droid leveled up a few levels, and he got through it. Um, I don't like that the droid health is linked to your health. Now, the droid did have a separate health meter. Ah, uh -huh, yeah. His but when the droid died, you lost health. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I went, crap, I am near death. I'm going to send the droid out and scout and try to find, because I got to a new area, and I feel like there should be a save point. The droid was good for scouting. So I'm going to scout as a droid. Okay, the droid walked here. The droid died. No big deal, because who cares? All right, the droid, the little thing comes back. I died. So the droid, then I noticed like the droid dying was taking some of my health. Um, I also didn't like having to sit there and wait for the droid to recharge. Like when the droid dies, you had a beater. If you launched the droid immediately, it launched at no health. You had to sit there 
and just stand still as your character and do nothing and wait for the droid to recharge before you launch another droid. Um, again, this is probably compounded because I was exploring areas that I was meant to let go myself, not just a droid. Because if you do go back to a safe spot where it refills your health, it does refill your droid as well, I believe. Um, you can't check the map as a droid. That was annoying. That was annoying. Yeah. Um, for exploring, like we are talking about, it was useful to do that. Um, this is done with the droid. I'm not a fan of full health only weapons. Because they make oh, me yeah. feel like getting hit once is a failure. You know, like yeah. you're taking away my abilities, you're punishing me for getting hit once. By the way, you hit me once with no warning, so... Um, That's another callback to the original Legend of Zelda. If you got yeah. full hearts and you can shoot your sword, you shoot your sword. so you're so powerful, you get one hit, then yeah, now you're. But you had a way to recharge yourself to full in Zelda. You don't in this, other than hoping for some little red. Or pellets. go back to a safe spot. Yeah, or go back to a safe spot. Uh, grappling hook. Well, first of all, I do have a note. Can my poor old 40 year old thumbs get an auto fire? Is that too much to ask? Can I just. Hold the button down. That I was, think you get this weapon later. Yeah, well, there's one of the weapons, a couple of them that are auto-fire, but I remember on my stream I said, yeah, this is annoying having to like continually yeah. press Continually press um, uh, fire was annoying. Uh, it's like, you know, if I was playing the original Metroid, I had my NES Advantage, and I could dial in the turbo <laughs> speed with the little switch. I had the Max, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, NES yeah. Max. It also had that on there. The grappling hook. This grappling hook might just be the worst implementation <laughs> of a grappling hook in any game I have ever played. Okay? Most of this comes from no inertia in this game. So you have no inertia. It doesn't feel natural. It has a weird control scheme. And there's a lot of ways to get your guy to release it when you think you're just trying to swing. So, like, if you're swinging... Ooh, hit the mic. If you're swinging and you hold to the right, the first time you'll start swinging to the right. The second time you'll let go to the right. Um, and it does not feel natural. It took a long time for me to get to a point where I could use it. It annoyed me that I couldn't just climb up a ledge. Like, I could grappling hook up to a one-block-high ledge of the corridor. I can't get around it. I can't, like, just climb up it. I have to do crazy things to work around it to get up. Um, you get it in a zone that has a pit, so it's like, again, it's a tutorial thing. You're going to have to climb out with the grappling hook. You're not getting out otherwise. I fell in that pit like five times. Like I would get near the top and I would fall not from an enemy, just from like not getting the grappling hook to do what I thought it was going to do. I mean, I guess it's good that I had to do it five times to eventually learn how to do it, but man, I would give anything for like the bionic commando arm. You know? Yeah, I made a note about that. I mean, or even in Super Metroid, I mean, the grappling was like so smooth and it just felt like the grappling hook was just shoehorned in this game. I mean, there wasn't like specific blocks that you could grapple to. And so it was kind of hard to figure out what you could actually grapple to. And just the this game did not have a physics inertia, um, not even in the movement of the character. It was all direct D pad control or whatever you're playing. And even the original Metroid. There was an inertia. You could bounce off an enemy and have an inertia and use it as a direction and get a higher jump and things like that. And I think that's what hurts it. I think not having an inertia mechanic when you didn't have a grappling hook and you have no inertia. Because if you're swinging really hard, left and right, on a really long grappling hook and let go, you fall straight down. And that, like, no, it makes no sense. Yeah. It's either like you're down, left, or right. It's like very distinct or discreet positions yeah. in the grappling hook. Um. The moving through a wall, 
thing I found ridiculously hard to get it to, to proc. Um, so you had to run up to a wall at first. When you get the first version of this, you run up to a wall and you double tap the direction of the wall to go through it. Seems easy enough. Right. What the game counts as a double tap seems broken. And ironically, it's completely fixed when you get the double tap and error upgrade. Then you have no problem, and it goes off all the time. I was double tapping an error I didn't even mean to. You know, my little guy was like glitching an error a couple of times, and I didn't even mean to do it. So I don't get why that was a thing, like why it was so bad in one iteration. I'm guessing it was like you had to be a certain distance from the wall or something, and you were... It seems like it, but it like, <clears throat> seems like any platformer of this complexity, yeah. you already have a is running into a wall, is ground check state okay. happening. I don't see how you do all the other jumps and things like that. So um, that's my thing on the weapons and upgrades. It seems like the double tapping was like way overdone. I don't mind doing it once or twice to get through a wall, but it's like so many times I had there to do that. There were rooms that was a room, enter the door, double tap through wall, double tap through wall, exit the door. No power up, no item, no enemy. What are we doing? You'd guys? already had to go through some sort of door you or something. You already a long then. hallway, and you had another long hallway in the other. And it's like the maps didn't fit by one block. So rather than extend the map or something, we just put this weird thing in the middle. I don't know. Okay. Later on in the game, you do get a further like warp through a wall, which makes it a little bit better. So like the first wall warp that you get, you can only go Will through one Will this allow you to go through the bricks? Uh, it does let you destroy some of the bricks. The oh, okay. So was, and it looks like. There were these big stone bricks, and every, like, there looks like there were three spaces wide, and then there was a gap. Mm-hmm. And then there were three spaces wide and a gap, and three spaces wide and a gap. And I was in Kerr or whatever. This is where I spent the longest time being stuck because um, I had gotten the grappling hook, and then I climbed to the top. And I had to go all the way back to the beginning to get to the heat zones where I had to go, but I didn't know that. But there's a door at the top of this area behind these big giant stone bricks, and I could not yeah, figure out. Yeah, you got to get the further. Warp. Yeah. I, I didn't Glitch. know yeah. that was going to be a thing yeah. that I had to get um, to get through it. So I'm like, am I supposed to be able to somehow jump this? And there's a gap at the top. It's got me obsessed with shooting the droid to try to hit the gap. Because like, maybe I'm supposed to hit the droid through this. There and- are some places where you do need to shoot the droid, and it's really painful just to get the right jump and the right shot to get up there. Um, it's unfortunate because you can control the droid's fall. But you can't control the droid if it hasn't hit anything and popped out into a droid. So if it's still in a little circle form, you can't control its arc. Once it pops out, you can. Um, plot. I didn't play the whole game, and I watched your stream and it didn't make any more sense. But <laughs> it really seemed like, from the very start of the game, I'm playing for the wrong side. Like, at just, like, was waves of, like, no, I'm helping reactivate the uh, AI robot that killed everybody here. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. It had a very portal half-life sort of feel to me. And that's kind of, I think that maybe set my expectations. Um, I don't, this is just a small question, but it really, I got obsessed with it. Why do I remember dying? If, if, if my save is like a replica of my DNA, shouldn't it just feel like to me, I'm the first one out? You have no memories? No, you wouldn't, that, okay, so you go in there, you get saved, okay, replicate your DNA, you run through the level, you die, okay, we generate a clone from your saved DNA, 
it doesn't know what you just did. Right. The the mechanic save point is getting a thematic In, attachment, yes. but it I'm still having my works like a narrative dissonance yes. with the uh, mechanics versus narrative here. Um, five hours into the game, I find I found the uh, passcode menu where you could enter the passcode that I found in a note. I entered it. Nothing happened. I don't know if I did it right or wrong. I had like reveal Sudran. And so I put that in. None of the notes I had translated that were already translated. So I don't know what that was supposed to do. Yeah, I remember later on in the game that does get you special guns. But if you have that already entered, it won't open up like the area that's supposed to take you to the weapon. You got to like deactivate it, then activate it again in order to get it to open up that area. I would have never figured that out on my own. And also, well, I, later on in the game, I did start using an FAQ. So that's the only oh, reason okay. I knew. I, I like, there's got to be a way. This game sucks because I go on, I, I did like when I was stuck in that area and I went necessarily near the door. I'm like, uh, I'm stuck, Kerr. And then I was just like, you know, no, I got the grappling hook. No, I got the like, the I'm stuck threads. Huge. So it's impossible to find like somebody who's at your specific state in the game knowing where you're supposed to have gone. Now, I will mention that there's one humorous code that you can enter. In the original Metroid, you can enter, oh, Justin, you enter Justin Bailey. Justin Bailey. I think doing that. Yeah, so I think in the original Metroid, it gives you like a swimsuit or something. Yeah. It puts Trace, the main character, in a swimsuit in this game, oh, which is okay. kind of weird. That's nice. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I wasn't keen on It's a Dream. I talked about all that. Random gripes? Gripes I couldn't put into anything else. Um, the difficulty selects with no context at start. Mm, yeah. I that that is a bad thing uh, for your game. Even Neo that I was talking about earlier did this. Um, I got no context. What's the difference between normal and, and hard difficulty? To be fair, a lot Tell of NES me. games did that. Yeah, well, we're we're beyond that. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that was no, 30, not, 40 I'm years not. ago. Uh, tell me what the difference is. Is my gun weaker on normal or on on hard? Uh, is the enemies have more health? Do they hit harder? Like, what are the exact things? What am I in for if I yeah, choose Yeah, what am hard? I in for? And, you know, better yet, um, since you're going to have to code these states and these checks anyway, do the XCOM thing of giving me a menu of, like, toggle on Iron Man. Yes, I will, I will not use save states, or I will, I opt into um, harder-hitting enemies, but I'm not going to weaken my gun because I don't want that. But I do want harder-hitting enemies, or weaken my gun, uh, but leave the enemies the same. Just give me the checklist and let me, you know, have a default, and then say, hey, if you want to have some fun over here, you can turn these systems on and off in the game or increase your difficulty. In there. And it also doesn't set up the it didn't have an easy mode, so it didn't have easy. But the problem with having an easy is the connotation to easy. It's like, oh, well, you're not really playing the game because normal is yeah. normal. Easy is for babies. And so by having these, like, turn things on and off, you're not, like, deliberately labeling if you play with this and not that. You yeah. let me look at it. And also, I may have a reason where I just don't want to play a certain thing. You know, maybe I want to play with a powered-up gun because I have arthritis, and this would be a very painful game if you, if you had arthritis in my kick in because there's a lot of mashing, and it's just like I want to play where I hit harder. I want to play this game, but I don't want to like you know have a disability. So it gets into an accessibility thing, um, but that's terrible. There's a, a no context difficulty selection at the start of a game. I have no way of knowing. I don't know how 
hard the How game is by these? default. Yeah. So yeah, I played on normal. I thought you could change it throughout the game, but maybe know. you can't. You might be able to, but whoever does that, even in games that like you can go do that, who does that? You know, um, the health beep. Can we can we not have an annoying beep when my health gets low? Even I didn't even though, notice that. Even though this one it gets quieter and it fades into the background music, but it still beeps. Hmm. Um, I can't do anything about it. I don't have any refill my health items. So great, we're low on health. Thanks, buddy. What can I do? Nothing. Like if you're going to have a notice that says, "Hey, you're low on health." Make that because I can do something to, you know, I can crack open a nice cold fairy and, like, you know, heal myself. But I can't in this game, so please stop beeping in my face. I know I'm about to die, thanks. Um, game saves between checkpoints. This also bothered me, that the items are gone. So the game is saving even when you're not checkpointing. Even when you're not explicitly going to a checkpoint save. Like, I don't understand this mechanic now because if I pick an item up and then die, I got the grappling hook, I revive with the grappling hook. So what are we actually using the checkpoints for? Position. Other than just a bonfire mechanic. At that point, it's literally a Dark Souls bonfire of just, you will spawn back here. We're not saving. You're just spawning here. Um, so if they called them something like Spawn Point, it would make more sense. Public service announcement. Steam kills more players than bullets. The area with the steam jets. You have to jump through all the different oh, steam jets. Yeah. I oh, died yeah. in that area more than I died to anything that shot a gun. Um, did not dig on the broken English. Uh, you know, most of broken English that's in the old retro games is memory limitations and how translations were done. Not actually poor translations. And I just didn't, I'm like, why do we have to have broken English in the game? And it's not done to good effect, you know? Like, there wasn't a good reason for it to be in there. They're super-powered AIs. They can reach out into my realm and pull me within their world. They know how to talk, okay? They figured it out. Um, Pop out uh, ground enemies. Why? Why have this? Like, they just know. At least some indication is like something's about to pop out at you. Yeah. So, eight hours, 42% item collection, 62% map exploration. I quit. Uh, I was running along. This is after that cutscene. And I get to a bunch of area and I got the double jash. And I'm, I'm running back out to the area with the flowers. But now you're coming at it from the other side. Okay. Before you can enter this area and you hit a glitch wall, you can't get past. Oh, yeah, no uh, So now I'm coming out the other side. You get a glitch bomb that takes care of Is that what you get? Yeah. Um, so I guess that's what I'm set up to get next. Yeah. And it's a long run. It's a ridiculously long run with a lot of annoying little fly gnat guys that will, like, group attack you and the flowers that will kill you in two hits and... It's hard to get to the end and not have taken damage because you're going to have a guy that jumps out of the ground with no warning <laughs> that will do damage to you every time. And then there's a guy right behind him that's going to jump out of the ground and do the same thing. And being at a point where I had the health to deal with their initial attack because I couldn't figure out a way to trigger it without just getting hit. Um, I'm out. I was done. I put down the controller and I gave it up. And then right before we came out today, I was like, hmm. 
I got I got 30 minutes to kill before I head out to the game design meetup. Let me give it a shot. No, I don't want to do this anymore, and I'm done. So that's the end of my notes. I think the only way to avoid those guys is, and I read this in the FAQ, is to crouch, walk very slowly. Then when they pop out, they'll jump over you. Then you can use the big okay. green gun. Because I had walked very slowly, yeah. and they hit you me. you got to crouch walk, you and it's a pain in the keister with that long haul. And you don't know where where they're going to pop out. It's like if you had some indication there, then I could like start crouch yeah. walking when I got They close. have little bitty worms going up and down. In fact, when I walked in there, I was watching the worms. I'm like, are these guys going to hurt me? No. Okay, are they going to go into the ground and do something? Yeah. No, there's just background. I don't do anything. I hand it over to you, Levi. <laughs> okay. uh, so I'll go over my notes here. I will mention that Thomas Happ, with two Ps, was the developer, I believe. He <laughs> was like the lone developer, and as Mike mentioned earlier, uh, this was originally going to be a dream, or actually was entered in Dream Build Play 2012, but he ended up going publishing it on PlayStation, and I actually played the Steam version. I don't know if it ever made its way onto Xbox platform. No, it came out for uh, PlayStation, PlayStation 4, because it's an X and A game, yeah. so no Xbox One. Yeah. Uh, and then by the time Xbox One catches up with Mono Game, release parody clause. Yeah. So well done, Microsoft. Um, you've kept people who are using your languages off your platform. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, that Dream Build Play uh, is fun for uh, me and Dylan, Funkworks, because that's where we entered Captain Dubstep. Oh, yes. Yeah. Also a Metroidvania game. And for the absolute 100% objective, true fact statement, a worse game Same. than Axiom Verge. Okay, so everything I've complained about Axiom Verge, nobody should ever have to play what we made for Captain Dubstep. Had a cool concept it with the dubstep cool gun, which actually was picked up by uh, Saints Row. Saints Row three. Oh yeah, or Saints four. Row three and dubstep yeah. gun. Their glitch gun in, and I guess there's a glitch bomb. Implemented the mechanics that I was putting to the dubstep gun better than I did. Yeah. So he did a better Captain Dubstep than I did. Yeah. Well, I will mention that uh, since we brought up Microsoft, I am still trying to get one of my Unity games deployed on the Xbox One. Now that all the retail kits are able to be able to put your games on there but there's you still got to go through the microsoft like uh, submission process and all that but can you do a uwp game with unity uh i have done like uwp games publishing to the windows store okay but i'm just trying to deploy my game my unity game to the xbox one to test just as a test yeah and you can't uh, I tried and I tried like syncing it and entering the code and everything. I just haven't gotten around back to it yet. Okay. So right. I'm working on that. <laughs> because I know you can't ship a game in what they announce. You still have to go through ID at Xbox. Yes. So there's no point to this feature because exactly. if I have to go through ID at Xbox, that means I have a dev kit. Yes. So why do I need a retail kit to test on with a 500 meg RAM cap? Um, it's just to say, oh, I've got my thing running on the yeah. Xbox One. But if they, if you submit your game and they say, no, this isn't suitable for Xbox, and you still have no path on yeah. getting I, your game on the marketplace. I think it's Xbox probably to, it's more focused at UWP app developers. Two, I, I could see a point of developing a game before you take that step of, okay, I'm going to commit, I'm going to push this idea to Xbox thing. That's what PCs That's are still, for. Yes. That's what PCs we could rant on this yeah, for a long time. I don't, I don't want to upset anyone at Microsoft or anything. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, when I started playing it, 
it took me a little while to figure out how to like aim upward. I know you just press it, but I just wanted to stand and shoot upward and super Metroid. You do this, I believe by pressing one of the shoulder keys, but in this, as Mike mentioned earlier, you have a lock button, which works similarly, but I kind of like just pressing one button to shoot. Yeah. At an angle. It was a little awkward for me, especially firing down and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of stories. I mean, they're okay and everything, but as Mike mentioned earlier, it was told through these notes that you collect. And also before you fought a boss, I thought it was very annoying that they, they're popping up like five screens of like text at you. And I remember back in the old days, like with the old SNES and NES games, uh, they didn't have a lot of that, but they put the stories in the instruction manuals. Yeah. So I yes. could like take the instruction manual with me to school, exactly. read it during lunch, or you, read you, it during recess. You gotta go somewhere, gotta get in the car, so yeah. you grab your instruction yeah, manual so you could like still be in your game even though you can't yeah. play it. Um, and speaking of that, I skipped a lot of dialogue in the boss fights unintentionally because it's a boss fight and I'm trying to, I gotta jump I gotta shoot oh I'm skipping dialogue yeah. you know I'm fine for them doing that after the fight but before yep. when I'm getting my adrenaline rush and everything going I don't need a lot of text thrown at me uh, I like the animated tiles at the beginning of the game the little bubble things that look like they were from Metro and hey you could actually shoot those and blow up and everything it made the world feel alive uh, we talked about the pen, no penalty for dying. Sometimes it's easier just to die than have to backtrack all the way back to a safe state. Um, one problem I had with the boss fight, and this is on my live stream, uh, is allowing the player to die after the boss has been defeated. So like if you're down to your last oh, sliver no. of health, the boss shoots projectiles, your shot kills the boss, and then you get killed by one of the projectiles oh, that was left over. So in a boss fight, after you defeat the boss, remove all the projectiles from the screen, please. Yeah, I think it happened in Mega Man. I think you can do that in Mega Man. You yeah. can simultaneously die. Fortunately, it just warped me back to the last safe spate, and it, I did get credit for defeating the boss. Okay. So. It wasn't too bad. Uh, I thought, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, that the drillable blocks should be more distinguishable from the other blocks. Otherwise, I'm just randomly trying to drill every single block in the world. Uh, and Super Metroid, this was uh, really obvious. Uh, they actually had the x-ray tool where you could actually scan the room and if you could see which blocks were destructible by which missile and which tool and which ones you could actually blow up with a bomb. Um, I like that they, they actually put the different tools, such as the grappling hook and the drill and the address disruptor on different keys, so I wasn't having to continually go to a menu screen to swap those out. The only thing you had to go to a menu screen to swap out was the actual guns itself. And it was kind of nice how they had like the radio menu. I know I put a note in here later. It's kind of like Secret of Mana, so you can just aim at whatever gun you want to use uh, to be able to select that. But the drill really seemed to be useless later in the game. Seems like it is like one of those weapons that came early on in the game. You could use it to fight enemies, but uh, there weren't that many drillable blocks later in the game. Also, you get the double dash ability, which also destroys blocks, so it kind of made the drill useless. I did like the classical gla graphical glitches. Sometimes I felt like they were overdone. I was like, okay, I get it. You're trying to be an NES game. And I liked it at the beginning, but with the flashing of some of the blocks, I was like, okay, yeah, I get what you're trying to do here. Um, 
One thing problem that I had, I went into one of the save rooms. I was like, there's just something that doesn't seem to be right about this save room. And what I figured out it was, was the actual save machine was lighted on one side and the actual tiles in the room were lighted on the other side. So you got to pick one. Now, later on the game, it was okay. But in that one instance of that room, because they used the same machine for every single save room, it was lighted on the one side. It just gave this really weird graphical appearance. And so you just got to pick one lighting direction and stick with that through the whole game. Now, I don't know. It seems like I've seen some add-ons for maybe Unity that will actually do dynamic lighting for tiles. And maybe that's something they could have done here. Uh it would have been nice if I could have just cycled through the weapons with uh, one of the shoulder buttons. Uh, spent a lot of time going through the tools to figure out, and that kind of ties back to the point that I mentioned earlier, just to see which of these blocks are drillable mm-hmm. or, or cha- uh, destructible with the uh, address disruptor. I thought some of the tools were introduced too early. Uh, like the drill and disruptor were like introduced like one after another. I thought they could have like left one of those for later on in the game because because the point that you realize how many things we were going to give you though. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as Mike mentioned earlier, the grappling hook physics felt really rigid. And I thought Super Metroid and Bionic Commando did it much better. And also, I think I mentioned earlier, having clear swing points helps out a lot better. I mean, just to know, so I don't try to grapple on things that I'm not able to grapple on to. Uh, the art and animation, it really didn't seem to have that Nintendo, I'll say Nintendo charm to them. It felt more like a third party, like if you remember Super Star Wars game, a little bit more grittier. So this is what I would think that a, a Super Star Wars game in like the Metroid universe would be like. Uh, the enemy drops, they never really seemed to despawn. I think Mike mentioned that earlier and the, they really didn't give that much health. Back to you. I sort of wish there was an experience system in this game, like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, so you get stronger as you go throughout the game. And it would have also given, as you mentioned earlier, there really wasn't any point to killing the enemies if they had an experience system. That would have gave me a reason to actually kill the enemies in the game. Uh, Yeah, the enemies just seemed to get in the way. Uh, And also, as Mike mentioned earlier, I wish they would have dropped more stuff. Like I said... Uh, they do drop missiles later in the game, but that's so far, and that's like 10 hours into the game or eight hours into the game. Uh, we talked about the indie hallway, which helped you get further along without having to backtrack. Uh, oh, one problem that I had was the switches, the little uh, pink walls. You could yeah. hit like one of the little balls, the red balls, but the switch never changes color or anything. Yeah. You have yeah, no way like, of knowing you've hit the switch. I swear. They reset sometimes. Oh, maybe so. Or like maybe you feel far away Because there's some of them, like, I, in, in that area I was stuck in, I went through a convoluted effort to get the switch to flip and, you know, of, like, jumping around and sending the little drone and figuring out how to get by the other stuff and how I was to flip the switch. Flipped it. And it's just a little area that circuited it. And it's like, I think I've been here. There's nothing to pick up. There's no path from this area. Even on the map, it's completely blocked off. And like, did this reset itself? That's garbage. Yeah. Um, I think I know where you're talking about. Uh, I did like how the address disruptor or the glitch gun, uh, changed properties of the enemies. Uh, 
one that I really liked was one of the little guys that jumps out of the wall and goes across and flies across. If you glitched yeah. him, he'll make like a row of blocks and you can actually grapple hook across those blocks to get to a special item. I thought that was a really neat Oh, puzzle. I know what you're talking about then. Because I was like, why are you here? Yeah. Like, there's nothing here. Yeah. Why are you here? He'll spit out blocks behind him so ah. he can grapple across. And also, I liked how, like, the sponge enemy, or look like a sponge to me, uh, he'll shoot out projectiles, but if you glitch him, he'll shoot out health. So it's like a nice little way to regenerate my health without having The green guys? Uh, green little, uh, like, broccoli-looking dudes? Yeah, broccoli-looking guys. Okay. Yeah, if you- oh, I know what you're talking about now. They'll spit out health if you I did not try glitching enemies that much. I, I don't like the ones I tried didn't seem to do anything, like the roly polies and the um, turtles that yeah. spit the smoke. Yeah. I was like, will you not spit the smoke if I. Oh, you will. Okay. Yeah. Roly polies, will you not roly? Oh, you will roly poly. Okay. There, there this were. seems useless. Yeah. There were a couple enemies where I found it. Like there was like these humanoid figures that were walking, like walking around on their backs or something that would fire. And you could hit them with a glitch gun, and they would be easier to hit because they weren't firing as mm. many bullets. Um, there were some, some like other things porcupine like little enemies. If you glitched them, then it would make them bigger to make them easier to shoot. Then the big ones yeah. would turn small for some reason. Like, no, some- I tried glitching when you're on the way up to that one battle, and you're going to that heat area. There's that little area with little hands on the wall that can grab. And there's these little, like, they look invisible. They might as well be invisible dots that move around the screen that, like, kill you in, like, two hits that you have to get past and to fight a boss. Um, And I try glitching them. I'm like, if I glitch you, you guys, like, no. Okay, you're just coming anyway. All right, fine. Yeah. I thought there was too much of using the pet to get through narrow areas. I felt like, oh, are we doing this again? So sometimes I liked it at first. Having to do it ten times, I didn't care for as we mentioned earlier, the jumps are annoying. One time I had to jump, double dash upward, shoot my pet out, switch to my pet, double dash again. But that was like a special item. Uh, I did like the variety of guns, maybe too many of them. I did like that they all had a unique shooting style. There's one really neat gun. I think it's a lightning gun, and it's like a Tesla coil, and it would kind of home in on the enemy or track oh, the enemy. Oh, I didn't get that one. That was like one really good gun. Uh, there was also uh, a data bomb. Now, that one actually seemed like it did a little bit more damage. All the other guns seemed to be the same strength as the other one. So, like we were talking about it earlier, it would have been nice if they had like a Mega Man effect where some guns are better against some enemies than others to make them more differentiate the guns from each other. Uh, by the end of the game, I think I had over 15 guns. But as I mentioned earlier, I think about eight hours into the game, I got to a point, I was just stuck. I couldn't figure out where I needed to go. I think it was right before I got the grappling hook. So I started using an FAQ off GameFAQs or somewhere. So at that point, I went on and collected everything that I could. Uh, the long shooting gun, that was a really good one, which was like a laser that shot all the way across the room. Kind of felt overpowered there at times. The flamethrower, you get that almost near the end of the game. And it was actually a decent gun. Because most of the guns could not go through blocks except for the big green area of effect one. Now, the flamethrower could actually go through walls and hit enemies on the other side. So that was a really good weapon. Um, I felt a lot of the guns were just wasted. I was like, they have different shooting patterns, mm-hmm. but there's really no right. difference for me using one gun uh, opposed to another one. Uh 
Bosses seem too easy for at times. I played on normal, but as you were mentioning earlier, is like yeah, sometimes I just hunker down in one spot, use a little gun that shoots upward, and that's it. Yeah. There's no challenge to the boss. Uh, the boss AI was fine, but it wasn't really anything that I've never seen in any other games before. Uh, I did like it where you could control that one boss uh, right before you go into the dream sequence and all that. Uh, and I was, it's hard to understand what I was supposed to do, which we already talked about. Uh, I would have liked to have seen bosses with multiple phases. Like if you take half their health, maybe yeah. start doing something a little bit different. I expected, and I maybe I didn't play the whole game, but I expected some of the bosses for parts to blow off. Yeah. Like it seemed like that kind of setup. Like I expect shells to start blowing off and casing, and then he's got like exposed bits I now have to hit or something, yeah. and didn't get that. Didn't happen. Uh I like achievements. Steam achievements don't mean that much to me, but I didn't like it that there are missable achievements in this game. So if you're going for 100% achievements, make sure you read the guide first. There's this one boss battle, I think it's right after that dream sequence, where you have to, there's like one of the little save spot things, and there's like this massive flesh type thing. And it's like, oh, you can either kill it or let it live. I was like, well, I might as well put it out of its misery and go ahead and kill the thing. <laughs> so apparently I missed an achievement for not letting that thing of mass live. Uh, we talked about the Justin Bailey. I did like how they did have the cheat codes for nostalgia's sake. Uh, when I got finished with the game, I had 97% of the map completed and 80% of the items. I don't think I'll play it again to get to 100 maybe years from now. I don't know. Uh, it would have been nice, you mentioned this earlier, if I could see the entire map, and also maybe after you defeat the game or to get a special uh, item that would let me see where all the missing items are on the map. So I was like, okay, I know I'm missing two or three items. Just show me a little ping on the map yeah, where yeah. those are. Um, and I like the variety of enemies of that were in the game. I thought they were well done with different properties and things like that. I like the different biomes to uh, steal a term from crash lands, the different areas of the games. I thought that was really well done. And yeah, that's basically all the notes that I have for Axiom Verge. Well, all right. Um, boy, I bet you shovel Knight just can't wait to be covered by our crew. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've overall, actually been playing it's like a, a little bit kind of game. I mean, it's not yeah. like this is the worst game ever. Like overall, I'm like, this is doing no. a lot of things that are annoying and and like stripes to pick, but like it's not a bad game. I think we went in with certain expectations. I think it's sort of the case as with Undertale, where we're all over thirty. It's a different sort of. I think having generation, the tight perhaps. experience with Metroids, yeah, with the older ones. Like, you're no Metroid. Like, you're not... And I don't even know if you can be, because I don't know what yeah. I'm playing anymore. Like I said, Metroid and Mega Man, these are annual games for me. These are like... I'm kind of bored. I got like an hour or so, I'll just pop in that cartridge, and I'll play that game again. And I just know it so well. I know everything that's hidden. I know everywhere to go. I got my route already planned out. I didn't even think about it. It's just a relaxing Zen state that I can go into once one of those games. I will say, I think I got my money out of this game. I mean, a lot of games, I, yeah, like I Star Fox that. Zero, I was like, oh man, why did this play $60 oh, on this? I think I got my money's yes, worth yes. out of this game. Um, and it is doing quite well. Um, so I, it is it is a good game. And remember, we're not doing a review. We're, we're more 
taking apart the design um, for discussion and learning. So keep that in mind. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Once again, you can find us at knoxgamedesign.org uh, for the site. And now we'll go around uh, the room a little bit. And anything you want to personally plug, Levi? Uh, basically, my website, levidsmith.com, if you want to find out what games that I've been working on. And uh, also, YouTube channel, Levi D. Smith. Look me up on there, and you can see my Axiom Verge playthrough, all 12 hours of it. <laughs> Uh, DylanWolf.com, DylanWolf on Twitter, DylanWolf.itchio.com, I guess, is where you can find my stuff. All right, uh, Vinyl.com, VinylHio, Vinyl Twitter uh, is where mine for plugging. Uh, if you're listening to this and you made it this far, then you can learn about These Are Games, which is going to be the new channel uh, doing with a friend of Let's Plays. So these aren't game analysis, these are, these are Let's Plays. Think more game grumps and super best friends rather than um, anything that might be on my channel. I still have my channel. I'll still be putting stuff to my channel. Um, but this is just more of an entertainment type channel, something I want to do for a while. Uh, me and a friend John, um, we've done a game in the past. We did Bandetta, uh, and we're going to do a stab at it. So if you go look for These Are Games, um, thesearegames.com is the, the website, the Twitter, or These Are VG. These Are Video Games, I can't fit all that in. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's these are video games. Yes, it's these are video games. Um, you you can find us there. Nothing is up. There's no content yet. We haven't officially launched. So if you go find it and you just hit subscribe because you want to be on there first, then congratulations. Uh, you're you're part of the early crew. Um, but that's where I'm going to be doing a lot uh, less. So I might actually lessen the amount of game development I do um, while I try to give a good old. Um, stab at that for like let's try a year of let's play con- let's play yeah. content and then see if after a year is there anything either of us can stick with or go with um, that seems to be about seems to be about the arc of those that become successful they do it within a year or no it's not happening um, so we're going to do that but uh, that ends this podcast and reminder again that uh, Shovel Knight is our next game if you want to play along thank you everyone for listening <laughs>